Good evening, everyone. Appreciate you being here. Very much. It's always a great emotion that I have when I come back to a place that I've been and worshiped through the years and how it's, uh, it's, a, it's always great to, to be here. This, this church has always had a, had a special place in my heart, uh, for sure. In March of 1974, Sylvia and I obeyed the gospel and we attended here for six years. And so uh, that's meant a lot to us through the years. Uh, Eugene Crawley was preaching here, and he's the one that encouraged me to start preaching. I probably never would have if it hadn't been for him. He would not take no for an answer. And so uh, at that time, I didn't appreciate it, but I do now. So, And I, I appreciate it very much. Donnie's done an excellent work since he's been here, and I appreciate him and his work and his effort not only here but in other places that he's been as well. And I, I've seen that uh, all through the, through the years. And I know you're extremely fortunate to, to have him and Joan, and they fit in well with the congregation here. And a lot of good's been done, and we pray that a lot of good will continue to, to be done. But uh, we do indeed appreciate uh, very much you being here. Uh, some people sitting in this audience tonight are some of my dearest of friends. I think it'd be ungrateful of me not to mention the fact that several are here from Hickory Heights tonight. They have to listen to me every, every week. And so they came, came again tonight. But not only the ones from Hicker Heights, but we have some from Tullahoma. They listened to me for 11 and a half years, so I appreciate them uh, being here as well. But I appreciate all of them. Uh, my really good friends here tonight, Greg, Greg Gwynn. I appreciate he and Cindy, Cindy being here. I'm not trying to enumerate everybody, but I just appreciate very much you being here. It's quite an encouragement uh, to me. And uh, I know it is to these brethren as well. Uh, I always leave here uplifted and edified as the result of our singing together and praying together. The singing's excellent, and we appreciate very much the, the effort that all of you made. But uh, you didn't come to hear, hear that. I hope you came to hear the gospel, and so that's what we're here for. In the book of Judges, in Judges, the 17th chapter, beginning in verses 6, and then there's a parallel passage in Judges 21 and verses 25. It almost seems to me that this is one of the great problems that we can see in the society that you and I live in today. And it's there it said everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Do you think that would describe the nation that we're a part of this day and time? That every person it almost seems like that they're doing what they think is right in their own eyes. And they're not really concerned about what God says. They're concerned about what they want to do. Wouldn't you agree with that? I think most of us would agree with that. Over this past weekend, there was the pride demonstrations in and around Nashville. Isn't that a sad situation that we can see? And it's almost like God didn't say anything about that. Or if God did say anything about that, He really didn't mean it. Or He's going to make an exception with me. And I'm going to tell you, that is not the case. Regardless of who we might be. But yet that's one of the great problems that we can see in our society. But not only in the world itself, but even in the religious community as well. It's as if almost that God hadn't said anything to us. 
It's almost like God hadn't revealed His Word to us. And it's almost as if we can't read it and comprehend it and understand it. But it's written in such a way that you and I both, or all of us can, that we can understand exactly what God has said to us. It's the fact of whether or not we want to make application of those principles in our lives. And whether or not we want to submit to those things that are said to us. Did you ever think our nation would come to this? You know, when I was a boy growing up, though not religious, I would have never dreamed that our nation would be what it is today. Do you think it's getting any better? Doesn't seem like it's getting a whole lot better, does it? Rather, it seems like it's going in the other direction in spite of what God has said to us. And so I want us to think a little bit about something that the Bible says that tells us about the rule of God. Now, I'll define that word in just a little bit. But I want you to notice something it said in Galatians 6 and verses 16. It's there he said, and as many as walk according to this rule. Look at that word, rule. He said, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Israel of God. Interesting expression, isn't it? Even in the Hebrew, or in the, uh, rather in the Greek, it's pronounced as Israel. We understand that that was a name that was given to Jacob and a name that was given to his descendants. But do you know who he's talking about here? That's the Israel of God. He's talking about as many as walk according to this rule. They are the Israel of God. Now, if we're walking according to that rule, then you and I are the Israel of God. We're God's people. And if we're God's people, then we have submitted to that rule, and we must submit to that rule if we're going to be His people. But you know there's quite a bit said in the Bible about that ideal and about that fault. And let me share just a few thoughts with you in the time that we have together tonight. First of all, we can see that God has rules. You know, I remember hearing a fellow say one time about the Bible, he said, the Bible is not really a book of do's and don'ts. Could you tell me what it is then? It is a book that's filled with do's and don'ts. There are things that God requires of us. There are things that He tells us to do. And He tells us that there's some things that obviously that we must not do if we are the Israel of God. If we are His people, we have to abstain from some things. But yet there are some things that we have to do. Now, think with me for just a moment. When we think about God has rules. First of all, let's look at that word rule as used in our text in Galatians, the sixth chapter there in verses 16. The complete word study dictionary of the New Testament defines it this way, a rule. He said, anything straight used in examining other things 
as the tongue or needle of a balance, a plumb line. You know, I think all of us that have done any carpentry work at all, we understand what a plumb line is. We understand that. He said a plumb line in building. In the New Testament, a rule of conduct or behavior. It's used in our text, Galatians 6, verses 16. But also in Philippians 3 and verses 16, he said the word is given as a technical term to the accepted books of the Bible, considered as inspired. He said the ideal is clearly implied in the expression, in the, expression the scriptures as in employed, he says, by the Jews in the New Testament. So when you're talking about God's rule, it's a rule of conduct and behavior that's according to the Word of God. I think that's a simple way to define it. But that's the rule that we're talking about as it's used in this text. The theolo uh, theological dictionary of the New Testament says Paul uses canon. He said, though rarely as a measure of assessment for, the, for self or others, thus in Galatians 6 and verses 16, Christians have only the one canon, or only the one rule, and it's God's rule. It's His instruction. It's His Word. He said they see that all previous concepts and standards are set aside, and they must now live by the new reality of the freedom that Christ gives. This will both determine their conduct and enable them to see whether others truly belong to the Israel of God. Do you realize that you and I can look and see whether we're part of the Israel of God? When we look at the rules of conduct in the Bible and whether or not we have done what the Bible tells us to do, if we've done those things, then we are God's people. But it's only when we do those things. God has rules. That's very easy for us to see. Now as we think about it, obviously there's some things that the Lord forbids us to do. There's a list of sins scattered throughout the New Testament. I want to look with you in the book of Colossians in Colossians 3. Look at verses 5 through verses 9. He said, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Now I might stop there for just a moment. You know, they are those who contend, I've heard this both ways and explained both ways, that fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, all of those things are idolatry. And yet there are some who think that he's only talking about covetousness being idolatry. But I'm going to tell you this. Anything that you do that you put ahead of God is idolatry. I don't care what it is. Certainly covetousness is a great problem in the society in which you and I live. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Isn't it? And so these things are idolatry. He said, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked. He said, when you lived in them, but now, but now. He said, you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man 
with his deeds. So now, if I'm walking according to the rule of God, if I'm conducting myself as the Lord tells me to conduct myself, then I'm going to tell you, there's some things that I'm not going to practice as a way of life. There are things that I'm going to put to death. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to be a person of honesty and integrity. I'm going to be upright. I'm going to be a moral person. There are things that I have to make sure that I don't do. But you know, not only are there things that I'm not to do, yet as a child of God, as part of the Israel of God, then there are some things that I have to do as well. Look once again in Colossians 3. Look at verses 12 through 15. He said, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Then he says, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so, also, so you must do also. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. He said, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. There should be a difference in our lives as a result of being a part of the family of God. And of following the rules that are set forth for us within the scriptures themselves. Certainly there's some things that I have to make sure that I crucify and I put to death, but yet there are other things that must characterize my life. These things should be evident to other people that are around us. That's the reason why we're to be the salt of the earth and lights of the world. We're different because of who we are, because we're following the rules of God. God has rules. So it's not as if some today that they think that God doesn't have any rules. But yes, he has them. And I might say this. Any command that's stated within the, the scriptures themselves is given for our good, for our benefit. It makes us better better people. And it helps us to have an impact for good upon those that we're around day by day. So it's pretty easy for us to see that God has rules. You and I, when we stand before the Lord in judgment, we'll be judged by those rules. Whether you accept them or not, you're going to be judged by them. He said, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandments is everlasting. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. While I stand before God, and when I have to give an account of my life, it'll be based upon those rules. Whether I want to accept them or not. So we see then that God has rules. But let me suggest something else to you along this line. And really as we think about this, it's the same rules 
for every person. I don't have different rules than you do. And the Bible is very clear on that particular aspect of the rules that have been stated. For instance, the life that you and I are to, live, to be lived, we live by those same set of rules. There's not given one for people in the United States of America and another for one in Zimbabwe, for instance, or some other place. No, they're the same, same exact rules. Paul said in writing to the Philippians, he said in Philippians 3, beginning in verses 12 through 16, he said, not that I have already attained, he said, or I am already perfected, but I press on. Should be true of all of us, isn't it? I can't give up. I have to keep pressing on. He said that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has lay, also laid hold of me. There's something that Christ laid hold of Paul for. And Paul wanted to make sure that he did everything that the Lord wanted him to do. And he was a preacher and a teacher of the gospel. And he was faithful and righteous and holy and upright. And he knew where he was going when this life is over. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, as I look back, there's some things that I'm sorry that I ever did. Some things that I did that I regret. Some things that I am totally ashamed of. But I am thankful by the grace of God that I can be forgiven, be reconciled, and I can press forward. That's what Paul was doing. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this man. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule. Same rule. Same Greek word. Same Greek word that we just defined. Exactly. He said, let us be of the same mind. Every single one of us have the same rules. You don't have a different rule than me, and I don't have a different rule from you. They're all given to each and every one alike. It's the same ones. Exactly the same. You know, really, it's the same gospel message to everyone. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. How many is that? Is that everybody? He said, for the Jew first. Now, if you were not a Jew during biblical days, what were you? And if you were not a Gentile, what would you be? For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, this is one of those extremely, extremely interesting verses to me. The word power is where we get our English word dynamite. My, my dad was a coal miner, and I, I saw dynamite all the time. And, and I saw how powerful it really was. And, and I'm going to tell you, that's how powerful the gospel is, of what it can do in the hearts of individuals, of how it can change them. But now I want you to notice something that he said. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. 
But now I want you to notice that last part of this, verse 17. For in it, what's the it? It's the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed. Not God's personal righteousness. Now if you want God's personal righteousness, you're going to have to look somewhere else besides this verse. And there are plenty of other verses to look at that you can see that. But it's God's way of making man righteous. It's revealed from faith. You see, that's how man is made righteous by faith. Then he said, from faith to faith. It induces us to have faith because if I have faith, a saving faith in God, then I can be saved by God's grace. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We might say, by faith, the just shall live. That's the idea. But you see, it's the same gospel message. It's the same gospel message that's given to every person. Same rule. Same message that has to be believed. Same message that has to be obedient, one has to be obedient to. But it's the same for all of us. But let me suggest something else. Paul taught the same thing everywhere he went. Notice what he said in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 16 and 17. He said, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ. He said, As I teach everywhere in every church. Same message everywhere he went. Same rules. He shared the same rules with everybody. And every person has the same rules. What we have to do is to listen to the rules and follow them. But it was the same everywhere he went. Here's an illustration. This is just a real, real simple illustration. Romans 5, verses 1, Paul said, Therefore, having been justified by faith. Are we justified by faith? Now, I understand that he's not talking about faith only. You can back up to chapter 1, verses 5, and you see that it's an obedient faith. Chapter 16, the next to the last verse, talks about an obedient faith, and that's the faith, that, obviously, that Paul's talking about. But do you realize that Peter had the same message? He said, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Does faith save us? Oh, absolutely. It's not his contention that it's faith only, and we know that's not true because of what James 2, verses 24 says. But you see, they both had the same message. And then here's John in 1 John 5 and verses 4. He said, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Every single one of them preached the same rules. All of them had the same rules. They shared the same rules with everybody. And if one is to be saved, they have to submit to the same rules. It's not a different set of rules for one section of people or one group of people in one nation versus another. It's all the same, just as he said. Now, you might look at this. You have time. Read this. Read Acts 15. You remember there was that great discussion that ensued about whether or not one had to be circumcised to be saved and to keep the law of Moses. 
And you remember Paul and Barnabas, they went up to the city of Jerusalem and they met the other apostles there and the elders of the church in the city of Jerusalem. And they had this great discussion about whether one had to be circumcised and keep the law to be saved and what was their conclusion. Did they all arrive at the same conclusion? They arrived at the same conclusion. And why did they do that? Because it was the same rules. That's why. No, you didn't have to keep the law. and No, you didn't have to be circumcised to be saved. But it's the same rules. But let me suggest something else to you. You know, you and I have to make sure that we know the rules. There are rules that are given. But yet we have to make sure that we know and understand and we can apply those rules in our lives. The Bible declares that you and I can know them. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. Do you think he'd have said that if that wasn't the case? Do you think you and I can comprehend and understand what the rules are? You know, I'm not so naive as to think that all the rules within the scriptures themselves is as easy to understand. Maybe it's the first principle rules. You know, I'm convinced that the book of Romans is harder than the book of Acts. Do you agree with that? You've ever studied the book of Romans, I think you'd agree with that. You know, what about the book of Ephesians? Do you think it's easier to understand than the book of Revelation? may not be for you, but it is for me. But that doesn't mean that we can't understand them, that we can't comprehend them, because we can comprehend them. And certainly we can comprehend the things that are necessary and needed for us to be saved and to be set free from sin as a result of our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, he said how that by revelation, he said, he made known to me the mystery. Now the word mystery there simply means something that had, as of yet, had not been revealed. But this is being revealed on this occasion, and Paul is the one that's revealing this, isn't it? He said, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That mystery is being revealed. And Paul says when you read it, you can understand it. You can comprehend it. And you can be obedient to it. So God has rules. Same rules. But we need to know those rules. And that's what he's telling us that we can read and study and know them. Do you realize that ignorance is no excuse? Have you ever heard some people say that ignorance is bliss? (laughs) Not when it comes to matters of religion, it's not. Not when it comes to our faith in the Lord, it's not bliss, is it? The Bible tells us that obviously we'll be condemned as a result. He said, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent. You know, some people think that they've really got something there when it says God overlooked. What do you mean by that? Johnny Stringer in his commentary on the book of Acts, his truth commentary, said this. He said the ignorance manifested in idolatry had prevailed in the Gentile world for many centuries and God had winked at, that is overlooked, those times of ignorance. 
He said this does not mean that he had excused their ignorant practices or that they were not held responsible for those practices. It means that he had permitted the times of ignorance to continue, allowing the Gentiles to remain in ignorance and proceed unrestrained in their idolatrous practices. He had not left them without witness, Acts 14 and verses 7. The world around us declares to us that there's a God that we should seek to know and to understand the God. In Romans 1, verses 24, verses 26, and verses 28, do you know what those verses say? Those first two verses talked about that God gave them up. He said, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, and nor were they thankful, and He gave them up. And the last one, verses 28, says, He gave them over. He let them continue in their sins, and they were condemned as a result of that. That's what ignorance does. And if you read Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19, it declares about the same ideal, the same thought. They were separated from God as a result of their ignorance and their hardness of hearts. That's why it's so important for us to know the rules. And they're given so that we can know them and that we, we can understand them. You know, really though, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes desire. And it takes effort on our part to know and to understand. Let me just ask you this question, and you answer this to yourself. How much time do you spend every day in the reading of your Bible, really the studying of your Bible? I, I, th I really think there's a difference, obviously, between reading and studying, don't you? You know, if I'm tired, I, could read, I can read an entire chapter, and I couldn't tell you a thing in it. But you know, we have to stop and concentrate and think upon what we're reading. Now, I've been told this for a good number of years, and I, I think this is probably the case. The Bible is written on a fifth grade level. I've heard that for years. You wouldn't get any argument with me about that. I, you know, I'm so thankful that it's written on my level, so I can read it and so I can understand it. And so that I can know it and so that I can live by it and so that I can share it with other people so that other people can live by it also. I've heard a lot of my preaching brethren and I'm not condemning them for this. They have a lot better grasp of the English language than I do. I'm going to tell you, I'd have to have a dictionary sometimes to understand what they've said to me. That's fine. But tell me what God said. Share with me what God said. He's written it so I can understand it. I want to know it. And the reason I want to know it is so I can live by it. And I want to live by it so I can go to heaven when this life is over. Peter said as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. That you may grow thereby. Desire. Joshua 1 verses 8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
And what did he do? Meditated in day and night. Psalms 1 says the same thing, basically, doesn't it? So I have to make sure that I know those rules. Paul, writing to the young evangelist, he said, Meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress, progress, when you're giving yourself entirely to these things, to the study, to know, to understand, and to apply the Word of God, your progress is going to be evident to all. People are going to be able to see that in your life. It's amazing to me sometimes when a person first obeys the gospel and they really have a desire to know and understand God's Word, just like a sponge, just soaking up everything that you can share with them about the Word of God. What an encouragement it is to see people like that. But we have to know. But let me suggest something else to you. And that is that we cannot change the rules. Are there any laws in this land that you don't like? Probably to ask that is the answer, didn't it? There's some things I, I think that we would like to change. There's a stop sign in Lewisburg behind an old Kroger building. And I have to stop at that thing all the time if I go up through there. Now, if it was left up to me, I would take that thing down. I understand why it's there. Kroger's used to be there. Kroger's is not there anymore. You enjoy paying income tax at the end of the year? All of us preachers have to pay that self-employment tax. I don't think most of us mind paying it if they would just use it a little better. But that, that's, the, that's the thing, isn't it? That's, that's really what we don't like. But do you think that there are certain laws that are given within the Scriptures that people don't like? What about the law of marriage, divorce, and remarriage? How many people don't like that law? Particularly when it applies to them. Of course, it applies to all of us. Live by it, but... Some specifically, you know what I'm, what I'm getting at. Can you change it? No. See, when it comes to the law of God, we can't change those laws. Just like I can't go take that stop sign down in Lewisburg without it being against the law. Now, the Bible is very clear on this ideal as well. For instance, he says in Deuteronomy 4, verses 2, even go back to the Old Testament. He said, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Could they add to it or take anything from it? No. Was that God's law? Did he forbid them from doing that? He forbid them from doing that. They couldn't do that and be pleasing and acceptable unto his sight. Then you come to the New Testament. There are some people that say that the Revelation letter and what he says here in verses 18 and 19 only applies to the book of Revelation. Well, I, I'll tell you this. It does apply to the book of Revelation, but it's, the principle applies to all God's law. Galatians 1, 6, 7, 8, and 9. 
teach basically the same thing. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. I can't change the rules. I can't add to or take anything from those rules that have been given. I have to make sure that I submit myself to those rules rules. And certainly there's warnings about that. He said, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If I transgress, if I go beyond what's written, do I have God? Do I enjoy a relationship with God? Do I have fellowship with God? He says, no, you don't. Regardless of what you may think or feel, I can't transgress or go beyond what's written. I have to submit myself to his doctrine. Mention Galatians 1. You go back to verses 6 as well. Read 7. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed or let him be condemned. He said, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. Can I change the rule? Not without penalty. Not without bringing the wrath of God upon me. I have to submit myself to those rules that have been given to me. Once given, though, is there really any need for change? You know, in Jude 3, he said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly, face the foe. Defend the faith, he says, which was once for all delivered. Once for all. And then tie that with what's said in James 1, verses 25. He said, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Perfect. If I add something to it, is it perfect? If I take something away from it, is it perfect? No. And continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So I can't change the rules. To succeed, one must abide by the rules. Now I understand this is a different Greek word for rule here but it has almost the same meaning. If you're reading from the King James, maybe some other translations, it's the word law. Law. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, when life is over, how will I be, as he describes here, how will I be crowned? Will I only be crowned if I compete according to God's rules? Yes. That's how important it is, as we can see. One other point in the lesson, the lesson will be yours. Now then, the final point is, and we've already made mention of this throughout, 
is the fact that we have to obey those rules. We have to do what the Lord tells us to do. Over and over we see that throughout the scriptures themselves. For instance, it's not just obtaining from sinful practices. But there are things, as we talked about, that we must do as well. He said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Doing the rules, obeying the rules. Not just abstaining from evil, but doing what's right as well. He said, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I find that an interesting expression. It's one that's used several times within the New Testament. Losing heart. Have you ever been discouraged? When I first started preaching, I decided I was going to quit. Hadn't been preaching too long at that time. I live just right up the street from you. One afternoon, one Monday afternoon, there's a car pulled in my drive. Family that I knew well. Family I love. They said, can we come in and talk with you? I said, sure. You know, when they left... I don't believe I was any more determined that I never quit preaching than I was at that moment because of that couple. I never have forgot that. I never have forgotten the look on their face, the words of encouragement that they offered. And of course, a little lady sitting out there with gray hair said, you can't quit. I said, you're right. But you know, sometimes we can lose heart, can't we? But he tells us not to do that. Understand if I don't lose heart, then I can reap when this life is over. He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, every person. Especially the household of faith. Brethren, don't ever think that your words don't mean something somebody because they do I've heard people say well I, I don't know what to say you don't have to say anything you just have to be there for them. that's what you need to be take a little time yeah it takes a little time take a little effort yes it takes a little effort but it's worth it to them it's worth it to you as well But we have to make sure that we're not just, it's only the doers, not just those that confess or say, but it's those that do. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. It's not enough just to say, Lord, is it? It's not enough to recognize that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have to do what He tells us to do. That's what He's saying here. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, 
deceiving your own self. Have you ever told the preacher, boy, that was a really good sermon today. You really stepped on my toes today. And then you went out and continued to do the same thing that you'd always done. Despite his effort to preach the gospel to you. And share God's message with you. Or may it, it might be us preachers that we're pretty good at getting sermons together and preaching sermons, but when it comes sometimes time to make application, maybe we don't want to make the application that we should. We all have to make those applications, regardless of who we are. It's not just hearers, but it's a doers. And it's a doers that can have an impact upon the lives of other individuals as well. You know, heaven's for those that do His commandments. In the book of Revelation, in Revelation 22, in verses 14, he said, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. That's the only one that's going to get to go there. It's those that have done his commandments. Through the years, I've lost people that I love very dearly. You know, if the good Lord, by His grace and mercy, allows me to enter in, I want to see Him first. My God, my Creator, my Redeemer, my Revelator. I have a little sister named Pat Patricia Ann and a little brother named Jackie Richards, an older sister named Anna Ruth, and my mother named Ruby Elizabeth that I want to see. But it's only if I do his commandments. That's the only ones that he's promised that can enter in. Doing what he says. Does God have rules? Yes. Are they the same rules for everybody? Same rules for everybody. Do I need to know those rules? Yes. That's the only way I can obey them. Can I change them? No. And must I be obedient to them? Yes. So it could be that you're here this evening and you understand the basic rules that are given for one to be saved by the grace of God. If you through faith will repent of your sins, confess your faith that Jesus is Lord, we'd be glad to baptize you in water for remission of sins. He promises to save you and add you to the body of saved people. You ever done that? If not, why not tonight? Or maybe you've done that and you've drifted away. Why not come back to the Lord? Repent of the things that you're guilty of that separated you from your God. We'll pray with and for you. The Lord will forgive you and the Lord will cleanse you. Listen to God's rules. They're His. 
We have no right to tamper with anything that God has said. And if we'll simply do what he tells us to do, you and I will be the beneficiaries of all those things that he said to us. Can we help you in your obedience? If so, make your way to the front. Let your wishes be made known as we stand together to sing the singing.